Ion 2020, episode 125. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, Ray Eaton here, the host that you know is going to bring you all the news and the events for the 2020 election. That's right, that's what I've been doing every day, Monday through Friday since January, and I'm going to continue to do it throughout the election until November 2020. That's what I'm here to do, is to inform you, entertain you, and maybe give you some inspiration to talk to your friends about the freedoms and liberty that you can know if you uh, just push towards the libertarian direction and also bring some of your friends along with you as well. And then we can start moving this country towards a more libertarian direction as well. And that's what I'm doing Monday through Friday for you with Ion 2020. So I appreciate it as well as I appreciate my listeners. I also uh, you know, appreciate those that have subscribed to the show and those that have shared the show with your friends. And also, if you give me a five-star rating and review, I certainly do appreciate that. And if you do give me a review, I will go ahead and read that on the show. Just let me know which, uh, which podcatcher you decide to do that review on. I know I check the iTunes on a regular basis, or now it's Apple Podcasts on a regular basis, just to see if there's any new reviews on there as well. If you happen to do it through another podcatcher, let me know, and I will go ahead and read that one as well. You just have to let me know through my uh, email address, which is ray at iamtheempire.com. Also, I have been asking you guys on a regular basis to go ahead and send me some stories that you guys tell can tell about what you're doing for the libertarian movement, and I will read those on the show. I'll actually give you the last minute of my show if you just you know tell me what you're doing, and you know if there's a way to look you up through a website or something like that, I can I can go ahead and give you a little you know talk about your website as well and what you know, or if you have a podcast and so forth. Just let me know. That's Ray at IonTheEmpire.com. You could also follow me through I am the Empire on Facebook and Twitter, right? And then IonTheEmpire.com is my website. So, And on that website, I post a lot of articles, and the articles are usually about what the, you know, what the federal government is doing nationally as well as internationally uh, that might be affecting you or people that you know or countries and so forth, right? So uh, I'm posting the articles that I find, and I don't always agree with the articles. I'm just posting them so you know what's going on and how the, how the press is framing certain issues. Because I know most of my listeners, they're going to be libertarian, and you guys are probably going to take most of the things that you read in the mainstream media with a grain of salt, right? But at least you see how they're framing it. But then I'll also go to the other side of the argument as well. A lot of times I will post, like for the stuff that's going on with Iran, I'm regularly posting articles that are written in America and in the Western media. But I'm also publishing articles or, you know, linking the articles from Iranian newspapers, Syrian newspapers, as well as like I've, I've, I, Hong Kong has a great, you know, Asia Daily, and they seem like they're a little bit less biased than, say, our media would be in the United States. About 15% of my listeners are outside of the United States, so I try to make sure that, uh, you know, I, I cover 
the news so that you can see how the different groups are spinning it. Because obviously, Iran is going to have their own propaganda, right? They're going to boost up their own government as well as the United States. Our media is going to boost up our own government. That's just the way it is. So uh, I just want to make sure that you guys are well-informed and aware. And that's what I do on eyeoftheempire.com. So go ahead and check that out. But I really, really do enjoy uh, doing this show, and I'm very excited about the next uh, you know, the next 18 months or so until the election is over with. And today what I wanted to do, since today is Wednesday and the the debates are going to be happening over the next two days, Wednesday night and Thursday night, I want to give you guys one minute or so on each of these candidates and let you know what they think and what, let, me know what, let you know what their main priorities are if they become president. So here goes. Right, let me start off talking about Tulsi Gabbard. She is the congressperson from... Hawaii, that is also an ex-soldier, and now she is running for president. She is actually the person that got into the presidential race in order to focus mostly on the anti-war stance, ending foreign intervention, ending regime change policies that the United States government has. And what she says is that she talks about some of the social issues, and you know the ones that Democrats love, right? They talk about climate change, they talk about Medicare for all, they talk about um, free free child care, they talk about free college tuition and all that. And she does talk about those things as well, and she believes in those things, as well as being hard on corporations, which, um, you know, Democrats love that as well. But she says that the main thing is, is that if we're going to have all that stuff, we need to talk about the cost of war first, and let's, you know, end the regime change and those policies, because that's very expensive, then we could take that money and use it for the social issues that we all want. Okay, that's Tulsi Gabbard. Now let's move on to Bernie Sanders. We all know him. He is the guy that talks about the one top one-tenth of 1% making all of the money over the last 30 years, and the bottom 50% has gotten poorer, and the rich are getting richer, and the poor are getting poorer. We need to take that money from the rich and give it to the poor, and we need the government to get involved in Medicare because in the, in the richest country in the history of the world, it's unfair and it's not right that the richest... 1% have all this money and all that. You know you know Bernie Sanders. He has the same spiel day in and day out. Every single speech that he talks about, he guarantees he's going to talk about the top one-tenth of 1%. And he's going to talk about the richest country in the world should be able to take care of its citizens with medicine. And medicine, Medicare is a, or medicine is a right. Health care is a right. And that's what we need. So you know Bernie Sanders. We don't need to get too deep into that. But that's the things that he's going to be talking about tonight during the debate, you know that for certain. And because uh, you've heard it literally for the last, you know, six years now since he started running for president back then. And we don't need to talk too much more about Bernie Sanders, but those, you know, his issues. So let's move on to Elizabeth Warren then. We have heard a lot about her as well. She's one of the top contenders in this in this. Uh, Democratic field. She's the senator from Massachusetts. She's the one that wants to tax the wealth. She wants the wealth tax. That's her plan to pay for everything. So all the goodies that she's handing out, she's going to have a wealth tax on the people that earn or that have over $50 million in wealth. So any dollar over $50 million that you have, you're going to pay a tax on that every single year. It's not even an income tax. It's a wealth tax. So that's what she's going to do to pay for Medicare for all, free college tuition, free lunch, Free everything else. I mean, 
It's all free in her world. And that's what she's st- pout- that's what she's talking about doing for Americans. And the way that she's going to pay for it is with that wealth tax, I guess, and to tax everything else that she can as well. Um, that's, she has lots and lots of handouts, just like Bernie Sanders. Uh, she doesn't really differentiate herself except for the fact the way that she's going to market is saying that she has a plan for that. So every ill in human society, in American society, she has a plan for that. And what is her plan? She can detail those things. And normally it is more government, more taxing of the wealthy, and more redistribution of income. Pete Buttigieg, that is our next candidate that we're going to talk about. He is a very well-rehearsed candidate. He really knows his stuff when he speaks. He's very charismatic. He is the same on most of these social issues as well. I don't see much difference. He wants to do the Medicare for all. He wants that as a step towards single-payer health care. He's going to be talking a lot about um, most of the same topics that all these other candidates are talking about as well. Lots very heavy on the social programs. He has spoken a little bit about anti-war. That's not the primary message that he has. His message is more, I'm the young candidate. I'm 37 years old. Uh, I am the new generation of politicians who is going to bring bring the millennial generation to the Democratic Party. I'm electable. Look at me. But he's also, he's just a mayor from South Bend, Indiana, uh, I've always said I wonder why he even got into this race in the first place. I suspect that there's people behind him that are pushing him forward uh, because of the way that – he's a very brilliant guy, you can tell. And I think that he's like, he is probably the next generation of politicians for the Democrats. I think that he might actually become the nominee. It just depends on where it goes. But that's been my feeling about him because he's he's touching on all the right points for the Democrats as well as – You know, he's very charismatic when he speaks. You guys know him. You guys love him. He was the vice president under Barack Obama, and that is Vice President Joe Biden, who is now running. He decided not to run in 2016 because Hillary was the christened candidate, I would imagine. And also, he made the excuse that his family and his, you know, sons didn't want him to run and so forth. But now he is running. He is one of the older candidates in the race, but he represents the old guard, but he also represents the safe choice for the Democratic Party. He's not really pushing the social issues as much. He's pushing more, I'm the electable candidate, but he is talking to the base as well. He has to talk to the base about the Medicare for all. He has to talk about health care as a right and so forth. And that that's what he's going to be talking about. A lot of them talk about race relations. He's kind of getting beat up a little bit lately on race relations. But he is one of those people that was part of the movement in the 60s and 70s towards civil rights. Uh, you can give him credit for that. I think that they are unfairly uh, attacking this guy on that particular issue. But he is the old guard. He's the electable candidate against Donald Trump, supposedly. And that's the really the message that he's pushing is that we just need to get rid of Donald Trump and I'm the guy to do it. Eric Swalwell, he is a congressperson, and he is running for president as well. You've probably never heard of him. I had not really heard of him either, but he is on the debate stage. And maybe I just haven't been keeping up with this too much, but this is Ion 2020, so I should have been. But Eric Swalwell, his uh, message is really very similar. He's looking for Medicare for all. He's looking for medicine to be a human right. He He's a little bit different. He's not just saying free college tuition for everybody. He does say uh college debt should be 0%, so you should be able to take out loans at 0% interest, as well as if you do some sort of uh, community service or something like that, 
uh, that obviously it's funded through the government, I would imagine, for, through your tax through your tax dollars. Uh, he is saying that you should have free college tuition if you do that. So uh, that's a little bit differentiation from him, I guess, is that he's not going to the extreme maybe, but maybe that's his route to maybe become the person that gets nominated because he's not going to be the extreme view person. He's not going to be the far left person. Maybe he's trying to take a little bit middle ground. That's what it seems like to me. But he does not have a lot of charisma. He seems like a little whiny child when he's talking on stage, to be honest with you. I was watching the South Carolina Democratic Convention, and that's what it sounded like to me when he was talking. But uh, he doesn't have that charisma. But he's a cool-looking guy, blonde hair, you know, decent-looking, I guess, maybe. Uh, if, the, if the Democrats are going for that type of person, then they'll vote for him. But they see the Democrats, it seems like they want somebody that's going to be a minority or somebody that's going to be like a, maybe a female or something like that. But we shall see. Andrew Yang, you know him and love him, I'm sure. He is the one that's going to give you a $1,000 tax subsidy every single or $1,000 subsidy every single month, $12,000 per year. His freedom dividend, also known as the negative income tax sometimes, and most commonly known as the universal basic income. And how is he going to give that to you? He says that he's going to do that because if there's a way to get a small percentage of every single transaction that is done on Amazon, if he's able to get a small bit of every single transaction that's done on any of your web devices because they're stealing from the storefronts that are all around the country, right? If they're able to do that, then they could pay for your $1,000 a month subsidy and also any mile that's driven by a self-driving truck and so forth. So the government's going to have control of all that stuff just so that they can pay you that dividend. And yeah, that, my friends, is what you call government control of the economy. Wow. That sounds scary to me, but that's how he explains it. So I just wanted to let you guys know a little bit about Andrew Yang. Cory Booker, who is he? He is the senator from New Jersey. He was also a mayor of a town in New Jersey for a while. Very charismatic guy. He's actually one of the better known people in the race as well. He makes a couple of headlines here and there. He's had a lot of news stories about him as well. He's an African-American gentleman. His focus and some of his priorities, you know, your normal stuff with the criminal justice reform and so forth, uh, and also a lot of the social issues like Medicare for all, you know, those are the standard policies of most of the Democrats. He doesn't really stand out as a candidate except for the fact that he's very charismatic. And that's what I see in him. I don't know that that is going to translate in a group of 23 people, though, that are running for the presidential nomination for the Democratic Party. Uh, because there are some other charismatic people that are standing out as well, uh, him being one of them. But you really do need to have some policy issues that are totally different. And I think the main thing that he's running on is a lot of criminal justice reform type issues because of where he comes from an inner city and so forth. Uh, but that is not what the people want to hear the mostly or the Democrats mostly don't want to hear about that. They want to hear about health care for all and taxing the top 1% and so forth, it sounds like to me. And that's why Bernie Sanders is having a lot of a lot of luck in this as well as Elizabeth Warren. But mostly they want someone that's electable. Cory Booker, absolutely electable, but I don't think that he's going to be the guy. But that's a little bit about him. John Hickenlooper, he is the governor of Colorado, and he is running an extreme moderate campaign is what he calls he's right down the middle on everything is what he's saying now he is running a little bit different of a campaign he's not talking about all the social issues and stuff he's really trying to push more of the, the things that he's done in Colorado which I think will work 
for the people that are looking for somebody that is electable against Donald Trump and is also somebody that's more of the middle ground that's going to get the independent voters. Uh, he is running on the idea that he made Colorado one of the top economies in the country, that they were able to legalize marijuana, that they were able to expand Medicare, that they were able to work across the aisle with people in their in their Senate and in their state houses in order to get things done. So he's a guy that can get things done. That's what he's talking about. He's, gonna, he's a politician, apparently, that can get things done. But uh, that is his campaign message, is not just, hey, all the free stuff, it doesn't sound like to me. Although he does have a lot of those points made when he talks. He's more going towards, you know, look what I've done as a governor of Colorado. Kamala Harris, the senator from California, she was an attorney general, general in California. She was a prosecutor in California as well, and she is running on an idea that she can get elected and be, you know, she's like taking a more of a hard-nosed approach to criminal justice and so forth in her state. Uh, she's trying to tone that down a little bit because this is the Democratic primary, obviously, and they, a lot of them talk about criminal justice reform and so forth. That's something that she's going to have to run from, I'm sure. But she's talking about all the normal social issues that you guys know about as well with Medicare for All. I mean, they're all down the middle on that. They're, all of the Democrats, they're right there on the Medicare for All. They're all there on the free college tuition and so forth, it sounds like to me. Uh, but yeah, Kamala Harris, that's what she's going to have to run from in the primary. But once, if she does get the Democratic nomination, she'll have a leg to stand on with like Republicans who are more for you know, making sure we're hard on the criminals and so forth. She'll be able to run on that. So, But that's the main point of her campaign is that she's going to try and prosecute this president in the, in the court of public opinion in order to win the campaign. Ten candidates down, only ten more to go. Those are the, I'm only focusing on the ones that are going to be in the debates over the next couple of nights. So I just want to let you guys know that there certainly is a common theme among all of these candidates, and that is the amount of pandering that they are willing to do in order to get elected. My biggest concern, I've said this in the past and I say it again, my biggest concern is the fact that where is all this money supposed to come from that they're going to be using to pay for all of these things that they're promising everybody? I don't think the Democratic voter apparently does not pay attention to that kind of stuff. The reason why I say that they don't pay attention to that kind of stuff is because they would be thinking about that. That would be the first thing on everyone's mind is how do we pay for this stuff? And one of the questions or one of the answers that the Democrats say is, oh, we're just going to tax, tax the rich. There's not a lot of introspection at that point on how they're going to get that kind of money from the rich, on whether it's constitutional. There's nothing like that. I mean, even in the Republicans, it's the same way, though. They promise all kinds of stuff. At least sometimes the Republicans at least give lip service to the idea that the national debt's going to go up and that we need a balanced budget and so forth. I guess at least they do that. Uh, hopefully, libertarians are going to take a little bit more realistic approach when they go out there and start talking about all this stuff. Because obviously, libertarians are not going to be talking about giving away a bunch of free stuff. That's not the MO of a libertarian. That's not somebody that would even get the nomination for the Libertarian Party. Not even, you know, Gary Johnson wasn't even saying, oh, yeah, we need to give any free stuff away. He just was not very good at talking about the message. He was 
bad on the bake the cake issue or something. That's where they beat him up on the most, right? Um, but And he was a very light libertarian in the sense that he was the one that always talked about, oh, yeah, we're fiscally conservative and socially liberal. So, I mean, we're kind of like the middle ground or the middle of the road people. And that does resonate with some of the independent voters, maybe. And I think that that was the message that they were trying to send. But it does not resonate with the libertarians who are actually going to get out there and vote in those in those elections as well. Although Gary Johnson did get a lot of people that voted for him, you know, most of any libertarian candidate ever. So if we could just build upon that, uh, we're not going to have someone that's going to be promising and pandering and all that junk, which is great. At least the party stays in that direction as well. Um, because it is the third party. It is the largest of the third parties as well. So we need a candidate that's going to be way different from the Democrats, which they will, way different from Donald Trump, which they will, and that'll get at least some publicity for the Libertarian Party, where we're the ones that are actually saying something about at least being fiscally fiscally um, responsible as a country. So let's move on to the next 10 candidates, though. Beto O'Rourke, you guys love him. He is the punk rock singer that was the congressperson from Texas that ran against Senator Ted Cruz and lost. Now, he had a lot of money left over from that run, a whole lot of money left over from that run. He had the support of just about every special interest group in the world, even though he says that he did not, and he's, he's running, you know, a clean campaign that doesn't take any special interest money, but all that money that he left over from his campaign, I mean, you could look at the numbers. He was the person that received the most money in 2018 from special interests. And he is running in his campaign message. He's kind of like a wishy-washy guy, it sounds like to me. I don't think that he really has well thought out messages. I think that he kind of just goes along with what the normal messages are, which is Medicare for all. We need to, you know, talk about immigration reform and stuff like that. But uh, I've just, I haven't seen a lot of power out of this guy. He doesn't seem to me to be very charismatic. And I think that his campaign is going to start going downhill like it already has. So, uh, but he's the, he'll be on that stage. Maybe he can make an impression for some of the candidates or against some of these candidates. I'm not sure. Uh, he'll have to really differentiate himself big time, and that's the only way that that's going to happen for him. Amy Klobuchar, she is taking a moderate approach. She's a senator from Minnesota, and she was able to get elected in a state that typically votes for Republicans, supposedly. That's what I hear. Uh, but her priorities, she's going to be the person that is trying to run towards the middle as well, uh, run against the Joe Bidens and so forth. And she definitely, when she talks, she seems like she has uh, she has the knowledge and everything to really expound upon the issues that she's talking about. Her priorities are like greenhouse gas emissions and getting back into the uh, the Paris Climate Accord. She's also talks about uh, getting rid of the laws that are undermining the Affordable Care Act. So she's not looking for Medicare for all at this point, and I don't. I think that she said that that would be a good idea to move towards medical Medicare for all, but she wants to expand the Affordable Care Act and make it better. Um, she also wants to talk about immigration reform and protecting the Dreamers, which are the people that are in this country illegally, but their parents brought them here before they were like uh, 18 or something like that. So definitely kind of the middle ground person as well. And her idea is to kind of run against the Joe Bidens of the world and see if she can make any ground 
on that, not talking about a socialist message, but talking about more of a let's get things done together type message. Another congressperson running for president who will be on the debate stage is going to be Tim Ryan, and he is a congressperson from Ohio, and he wrote a book that was called The Real Food Revolution, and I think I've seen that book on the shelves before. It talks about the way that food is made and so forth, that we need a new type of family farm infrastructure for the 21st century. So he's going to be talking a lot about agricultural issues, uh, talks about renewable energy as well, giving subsidies to companies that are making solar and wind power and so forth. So he's trying to push that. He wants the electric cars, the 30 million electric cars to be on the road by 2030 to be made in America. And so he's going to obviously give subsidies to those companies as well, I'm sure, uh, trying to figure out ways to make that happen. He's not in favor of cutting taxes as well. Uh, He wants to... It says that in one of the articles that I read that he supported a single-payer health care system and the Affordable Care Act. Um, so he's okay with either one, but he wants to obviously single-payer health care. Uh, that single-payer system is something that he's pushing for, but he's also okay with fixing the Affordable Care Act. And then criminal justice reform, he's pushing for that as well. Uh, seems like a really you know strong liberal guy, I guess. Uh, maybe not. He doesn't seem like he's way over there on the socialist side as well, like the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warrens. But maybe he's trying to be in the middle as well. But he doesn't really differentiate himself too much, it doesn't seem like to me, uh, when I read about him. Bill de Blasio, he is the mayor of New York, and he's going to be on the debate stage. He, uh, It's hard to find a lot about what he's talking about on the campaign trail. I don't know that he's even on the campaign trail. He probably was able to get the 65,000 individual contributors just because he's from New York and he's the mayor of New York. So he was able to do that. I'm sure that's how he got it. And also he was able to, you know, spring into that 1% category as well. Uh, he says he's the person, the president who's going to put working people first. That's not really differentiated himself too much. He does talk about being able to uh, provide affordable housing to people in New York. That's what he talks about on his website, as well as end of the era of stop and frisk in New York City. So he's kind of for criminal justice reform as well, it sounds like to me, but he doesn't even get into the issues on his website at all. Uh, so it's really hard to find out where he is on the issues. But uh, he's if he's going to put working people first, maybe he's going to try to you know be in bed with the unions type thing, because you know how New York is. They're very much a union-organized city. And uh, obviously, with with that amount of power that the unions have over a city like that, uh, if he can become elected, then obviously putting working people first in his mind means making unions mandatory across the country, I would imagine. So that's all I really know about him. There's really not a lot on this guy. Julian Castro is going to be on the debate stage as well. He started his campaign relatively early. He's the former United States Secretary of Housing and Urban Development and he was that he was he had that position under Barack Obama, and that's this claim to fame. He has experience in the executive position, I guess, because of that. But he doesn't really have a lot of experience outside of or inside of Washington, or you know, in any type of public office in the past. That could be a strength for him. He's not really getting a lot of traction, though. He stays around one percent or below in most of the polls. But he was able to get onto the debate stage. Uh, His main message is going to be immigration reform, though. He's from Texas, and he's been pushing that a lot on his interviews as well. But he does have a lot of the same social issues that a lot of these other people have as well with Medicare for all and so forth. Uh, But the main thing that he's trying to differentiate himself on is the fact that he's going to get 
you know, be easy on the illegal immigrants and so forth, have some sort of immigration reform package. Uh, that is not an issue that is top of mind of on most people's mind in America. I don't think on Democrats' minds maybe, but not across the board. That's why Donald Trump got elected was because a lot of people were irritated with the way that this, you know, this illegal immigration is happening and they wanted to build the wall and so forth. But that is Julian Castro in a nutshell, but he'll be on the debate stage as well. Kirsten Gillibrand, she has the Senate seat right now from New York, and she actually took over that Senate seat whenever Hillary Clinton became the Secretary of State. They did a quick election for her, and she got into that position, and she's been reelected ever since. Uh, she was originally from a she was originally a congressperson from the upstate of New York, and she really had a conservative record as a congressperson, even though she was a Democrat. But when she became a senator, she really let her true colors fly. Um, they say that she's a huge flip-flopper because of that. But her major issues, just like most of the other people, she is the person that, you know, she's on board with Medicare for All. She's on board with most of those social issues that you're going to hear all of the candidates talk about. She, they, they try to pick her up, you know, they try to position her as out there having fun on the campaign trail. She's drinking beer with people and so forth. So they're not really positioning her policies as much as her personality whenever she's out there on the campaign trail. She's not really getting a lot of traction, though, um, which she doesn't really have the Clintons behind her, I don't think, on this campaign. But we'll see how it goes for her. She might be able to stand out on that debate stage. But really, like I've said, the theme is that these people need to be able to differentiate themselves. And a lot of them are just the same old, same old, it sounds like to me. So we'll see how she performs on the debate stage, though. And you guys will hear more about that tomorrow. So Jay Inslee, he is the Democrat governor of Washington State, and his major campaign theme is climate change. He wants to take a hard stand on climate change. That is really the major theme of his presidential run. Everything about him it says a lot about you know how Washington is a state that is going to be affected by climate change first. We're already being affected by climate change in Washington State, and look at all the things that I have done to fix climate change in my state, and we're working with, you know, the public sector as well as the private sector to fix, you know, things that are going on with the carbon footprint of Washington and so forth. He talks about that a lot. He also talks about uh, being able to provide reliable and affordable health care to people in Washington. So he's kind of trying to run on his record in some way, but he's really focusing in on the climate change issue. Um, and that's major. That's his major focus, and that is a issue that is hugely on the minds of a lot of Democrats, as well as the younger people, because they've really been propagandized from the very young age to think that there's a huge climate crisis and so forth. Which um, I'm not doubting that there is, and I'm not saying that there isn't. I'm just saying that that's the way that kids are, you know, manipulated as children. So you're going to have the millennials that are going to follow somebody like that as well. I don't see that a lot of people are getting behind this guy, though. He doesn't seem very charismatic when I listen to him speak in a few of the, of the videos that I've watched of him. But we'll see how he performs on the debate stage. John Delaney is a congressman, and he is one of the, I guess there's several Congress people that are running for president, but he's actually the first person to get into the race. He got in like around November of 2018, I believe, and he was actually able to raise the most money of a lot of these candidates. I was saying that, in an earlier episode, that he is flush with cash right now. 
and he's able to raise a lot of money. I'm not sure why, being a congressperson, but he does have a lot of economic plans as well as infrastructure plans and so forth. And maybe the right people are pushing him through because he does, you know, promise that he's going to build all this. Like, if he is promising to build $2 trillion worth of infrastructure, then that's a lot of money going to a lot of special interests, right? He claims he's not taking any special interest money. I just can't believe that if that's the case. But he has a plan for national AI, a national AI strategy. He's talking about climate change. He's talking about all the typical stuff, a lot of encouraging entrepreneurship and so forth. Um, he talks about LGBTQ rights and everything, just like a lot of the Democrats are going to be doing as well. Um, and he's for pretty much the standard stuff with the Affordable Care Act, fixing that. I don't think he's for, it doesn't seem like he's for Medicare for all, but he would like to be able to, you know, lower the age for Medicare for all, I believe. Uh, but yeah, that is John Delaney, the first candidate to get into the presidential election. Okay, Mary Ann Williamson, she is going to be on that debate stage as well. And I'm not sure why. She's not really a politician or anything, but she must have support from a lot of her fans. She's an author, and she's also like a spiritual advisor of some sort, but she's a Democrat and she's very liberal. It sounds like to me she's really pushing a lot of this spirituality and making the America and taking making people more spiritual in America and embracing that spirituality when you're uh, part of politics or something. She doesn't like the things that go on in politics that are bad and all the fighting and all that stuff that goes on. She demands that she or she says she's going to change all that stuff. Her issues are climate change and so forth. Uh, just like a lot of these people, she, she talks about the climate crisis. She wants a criminal justice reform. Democracy is at risk. Uh, you know, just the normal stuff as well. But it just seems kind of unusual to me being a spiritual advisor. Like, I actually wrote some spiritual books back in the 80s and 90s. And one of them was talked about by Oprah Winfrey on her show. And that really put her right onto the main stage. And uh, now she's on the main stage of the Democratic uh, can't, the, the, the Democratic debates that are going on tonight. So I guess you guys will see her there. And last, but certainly probably the least, I'm not sure, Michael Bennett. He's a senator, and he is running for president as well. I have not heard anything about the guy, but he's going to be on the debate stage because he was able to get his 65,000 individual contributors as well as maybe get 1% in some of these polls. But he talks about... America is losing opportunity right now. We're going to be the first generation that hands over less opportunity to our kids than the than the previous generations do. So he's talking about bringing back the American economy, which I don't know how that's possible that he's saying that because the economy seems like it's doing pretty good right now. Um, more jobs for Americans. He's talking about all that stuff that maybe the old school politicians are going to talk about driving economic opportunities. So he's going to work to help the families of our democracy and so forth to earn more money. Uh, he talks about restoring American values and fixing the broken politics. So he's talking about a lot of the stuff that's not being talked about by the other candidates, like all the socialism stuff and all the government taking over this and providing people with that. Uh, so he's probably trying to go down that middle road, what a lot of these other candidates or some of these other candidates are trying to do as well, that are trying to differentiate themselves maybe from the Bernie Sanders of the world. Um, but anyway, I haven't even really heard of the guy, and I and I am the host of Ion 2020. I should have heard of this guy, right? He's going to be on that debate stage, and I have not done a show on him in the past just because he didn't seem like a credible candidate to me, most likely when I'm doing my research. But anyway, 
Uh, those are the candidates. Those are the 20 candidates. And I hope you were able to muscle through this show, but at least you know a little bit about each of those candidates now, right? And you'll be, I don't know how many of you guys will actually be watching the debate, but you know what? I will be watching that debate tonight. So I'll bring you a little bit about that particular debate and what happened with those 10 candidates on the show tomorrow, okay? I'll make sure that I am addressing all the issues and letting you guys know from a libertarian standpoint how I feel about that stuff because from the libertar- from looking at these candidates as a libertarian right now, whew, boy, I'm telling you, it is just too much to even listen to these people talk sometimes because all they do is just pander, pander, pander. That's all they do. They have so much stuff that they just want to give to you. And they think that people don't even think like, hey, how are we going to pay for all this stuff? How is this even moral? How is this okay that the government is going to take over all of these industries? But that is the type of candidates that we're getting. And you know why? Why why do you think we would get candidates like that, guys? It's because Americans are moving in a direction towards socialism and believing that the government should be providing all this stuff. It's been ingrained in their hearts from the time that they were kids that say that, you know, the federal government is the one that should provide all that stuff. Somehow it's gotten into our history books or something that these kids are learning all this stuff. And, I mean, I don't remember that in my day. But, I mean, I'm from Generation X. Maybe we were a little bit more independent. I'm not sure. But you do have a lot of people that are growing up that feel like, the government needs to provide everything. And whenever there's a problem, we just need to make a law. Make a law about it. Like, make a law about it. That's what we're going to do. And it's our job to start turning that tide. We're a force to be reckoned with. We have answers for those problems. We have answers to the, the problems of society. We just need to learn how to expound upon them a little bit better. We need to learn how to communicate our messages effectively. And we can do that. We just need to practice. We need to Get on that practice field, like I was talking about the other day, last week. We need to get on that practice field and get out there and learn the message, communicate it effectively, and bring people into the fold. And then we'll start changing the culture. And when the cultures change, then these candidates can't get up on that stage and start promising this and that. Because people will say, hold on, that's not for the government to provide us. That's for us to provide us. That's for us as a people to go out there and be self-sufficient. And we don't believe a politician can get up there and and give us all that stuff because it's not okay for the government to have its hands in those things. But right now, everyone feels like it, or I guess 50% of people probably feel in some way that the government should be providing all that stuff. I mean, I've heard heard some polls done in the past that talk about like 70% of people are okay with Medicare for all. Now, they might be asked the question in a way that seems like Medicare for all is uh, a good thing or maybe it's framed in a way that makes people say yes. But hey, it's very important that we start teaching people. And that's what we can do every single day, okay? Just get out there and make it a point that you will be one of those ones that's shining that light, shining that light of liberty on other people so that they can start moving towards the direction of liberty as well, a libertarian foreign policy, a libertarian domestic policy, and so forth. And then... You know what? Come on back tomorrow and you'll have clearer vision for 2020. All right, guys? Have a great day. Liberty in our lifetime is the 
motto for the Free State Project, which is an organization that was formed in 2001, in order to try to get 20,000 people to move to New Hampshire in order to have some sort of influence on the state legislator so that ultimately they can start moving more towards the direction of liberty. Now, the motto for New Hampshire is live free or die. And that is not the reason why they chose that state. But one of the, it kind of made a good fit for the state as well, is my understanding. But I've followed this organization since around 2008. And I really think what they're doing is great for the libertarian movement, because it is going to let people see that liberty and libertarianism can work in a state if people start voting that way. So I think it's important what they're doing, the Free State Project. It's just another organization pushing liberty forward in our day. And you can get involved in that organization, or you can get involved in other organizations like that as well that are trying to push liberty forward on college campuses as well as within your hometown. But just get involved. And that's what I always say, get involved. And that is just one organization, the Free State Project, that is doing that.